Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Bob Edwards, a Pennsylvania native. He is now rector and founding pastor of Iona Community Anglican Church in Vancouver, Washington, and is also a full-time chaplain in the Oregon Air National Guard. I give you Bob Edwards. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Nice. Great to be on. This is it. Happens. Remember those Hair Club for Men commercials where they used to be like the guy was like, "I'm not just the president of Hair Club for Men. I'm also a client." It's like you're not just a listener to this podcast. Now you're a guest. That's right. That's right. And you you're coming to us from Vancouver. Yes, yes, Vancouver, Washington, which we have to say is the ultimate postmodern city. We define ourselves by what we're not. So we're Vancouver, not BC. We're Washington, not DC, and we're Vancouver, not Portland. So Vancouver, BC is like in all the sci-fi shows. It's like not LA or New York. That's the new center. It's it's in the post-apocalyptic. It's always Vancouver. That's right. That's right. What's what was the one? I can't Tron, the newest Tron movie. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, better than the original, but it wouldn't have taken too much to uh, get better than the original. So. And you are in the Air Force, and you're a church. You, you have you're a church planter. Yes. Yeah, I'm a church planner. We planted uh, Iona about uh, six years ago. And um, matter of fact, just hit our anniversary. And uh, in the meantime, I got picked up as a chaplain for the Air National Guard. And uh, rarely, I, I mean, and in a rare thing now, I am a full-time chaplain there. So part-time at the church, full-time at the base. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome. And, you know, let's jump into these texts. Absolutely. First, we got Isaiah 65. Verses 17 through 25, where the Lord saying, I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. And we're called to be rejoiced. And there's all these great things that will happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of negatives. Like there's no more shall people, you know, uh, not live out a, a good life or, you know, infant mortality. And people are going to, you know, eat their vineyards that they planted. And you'll have uh, wolf and lamb. I think of that Ghostbuster scene. I mean, we're talking cats and dogs living together. It's in. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, after Israel's gone through the exile, you know, and and been broken apart. And this is sort of these prophecy for a new reality that's that's on the horizon. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The the thing, all these new things, uh, and just a little on there, it says, for I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy. I wonder if maybe that's one of the chiefest surprises that instead of being what it has been, it's going to be a joy. You know, the um, uh, the lambs and laying down with the uh, wolves and stuff like that's pretty amazing. But for Jerusalem to be a positive thing, that is yeah, because now <laughs> yeah, because it's it's it it seems like its best days are behind it, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting because in the in the Old Testament, you know, it's always a little bit one step forward, two steps back sometimes. But by and large, from Abraham to Solomon, you know, the the, the blessing seems to be advancing uh, a, a little more than the curse uh, uh, a lot of given moments. But from Solomon on, that the 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 kingdoms break apart, and and you know the. Uh, 
the temple's destroyed, Jerusalem sacked. It's it's a shadow of its former self. So yeah, I think you're right. Like this is hard to believe that this is going to be a joy. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because the language there. When I see um, they will not labor in vain or bear children in calamity, uh, they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord. It's it's it has this sense of which is a common theme uh, of renewal of the curse. You know, like there's this there's this changing that that the the, the animals will be in harmony together. Um, you know that there is going to be a difference now than there was before. And I have a picture of this called the, the peaceable kingdom that's uh, sitting on my. Uh, in my garage i know that, but, pic- that know painting. yeah it's a great painting yeah with the kids holding you know that they're over the asp um uh hole so that the you know the, the snake's not going to touch them and the, the lion is right there and here he's eating straw so yeah it's very peaceable that's sure. somebody in the painting saying kid it's okay to go near that asp hole <laughs> that's right safe it's totally safe you really have to watch the pronunciation yeah. there <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, you know, also there's no like parallel for this idea of new heaven and new earth in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. You do have it, of course, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, and Paul talking about new creation. But it's interesting because the Hebrew there, uh, is it, uh, what is it, Barat or whatever, I'm so rusty, but, it, mm. you know, it's the, it's the creation language that, you know, harkens back to Genesis, but this will be mm. a new thing. It's really interesting because you... you the idea is that while there's obviously discontinuity in the new crea- in this new reality, there's also continuity, right? It's mm-hmm. it's different, and yet it's different in a way that is recognizable. Like you know, mm-hmm. the, the, there's there, there's there the metaphors, the pictures are things that are of this world, but redeemed and and transformed, mm-hmm. Re- repurposed, or um, <clears throat> I don't know what the better way w- would be to say that, but yeah, renewed. Renewed. Um, someone was saying one of the commentaries I was looking at said that instead of this being, I, I would. My first thought was to look at this, and several of the passages to look at was looking at like eschatological things, like you're looking at end times things. I could see the theme through the other two scriptures, but the one commentator I was reading said that this is actually it's not meant to be an end time thing. I don't know if he's alone in that or if you've read anything differently on that but he's saying this is more like immediate and not sort of end of the world sort of recreation yeah there yeah one commentary i read talked about how how there's you could read this you could read it like as uh i am behold i'm about to make things new or i am making things new and and the commentary was like the preacher shouldn't um shouldn't really uh it, 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 it you know both it's a, a yes a both, both hands like, so, <laughs> so there's this sense in which and you see this right you know we see this throughout the the new testament the, the kingdom is already and not yet right right and, and there's it seems that there's a possibility of a sort of foretaste of that here it's really interesting too one of the things i think that's so different about jesus as opposed to john or a lot of the second temple jewish apocalyptic folks for them it's not yet but soon and Jesus changes that to already and not yet. And so there's this sense at which the kingdom's coming. It's coming, yet it's coming. You know, that uh-huh. it's, that it's interesting, too. Like Leslie Newbigin, one of my favorite thinkers in a yeah. little book called Foolishness of the Greeks, he talks about the idea that like these pictures in like Isaiah and Revelation tell us that creation will be redeemed. And yet how nothing can can survive the refiners, it can survive the journey to the other side, except through god's refining fire so he says but somehow you know my my what i'm doing my living walking around breathing life it will somehow be taken up into that and he looks at like our work for the kingdom he says our our work here in the world is enacted prayers for the coming of the kingdom and i love that that Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that that why we don't necessarily build the kingdom 
Mm-hmm. Our, it's always received this gift, but also it's not like our living this embodied life is also disconnected from that reality. That mm-hmm. that, that our, our our witness and our work is is like an enacted prayer, which I think is like a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. And it's like very much like um, like the eternal life isn't the great you know pie in the sky sweet Beulah land sort of thing. It's it's for now. It's it starts now and it moves into the future. So there's not there is it is totally connected. Um, and actually, I was thinking that that idea. I think it was a podcast this last week when it was uh, Jesus looking at the uh, the seven women and the the um, uh, the Sadducees. The, Sadducees, yeah, they were sad. So, uh, but just this idea of resurrection. Uh, that he was proclaiming that, that that his was the first of the resurrection, which is why you know the early church was so excited. I think I remember reading something NT Wright about that this last week, but I didn't prepare for last week. I prepared for this week. I just exactly, exactly, <laughs> absolutely. On to Second Thessalonians chapter three, okay. verses six through thirteen. We here we have Paul mm-hmm. saying, "This is so interesting. Like, keep away from believers who are living in idleness and according and not according to the tradition that they receive from us." Uh, and, and he says, "You know, if, if you're not, if you don't work, you don't eat." Mm-hmm. It's no. This is so interesting because, like, this is you hear this text like quoted against like laziness or socialism and these sorts of things but it's so interesting that here he's like he doesn't say kick them out of the fellowship but they'll like be too intimate it's it's it's, it's a strange kind of injunction he seems to give you right <laughs> it is it's you know there's that sort of we might come up with like bad morals crept good behavior sort of thing but i think the bigger thing is um if someone's unwilling to change or if they're unwilling to do their piece then you know why waste your energy hanging out with them? You know, um, I don't know. That's I, one of the things that I'd, I'd caught from this passage was that there was maybe one of the reasons was that they were doing this uh, was that they had sort of a bad uh, eschatology right there. They're thinking, well, he's coming back soon. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Eat, drink, you, and, know? Uh, uh, you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. Yeah. We may die kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it's it's interesting because I, I don't think. um I mean, that could be part of it, um, but it's funny to me because anytime someone gets into this kick of, oh, if we could just be like the early church, you know, if we could just be like, we're, we're an Acts 2 church or something like that. Well, okay, the reason that, you know, there's all these other books written after Acts, it wasn't exactly like the golden age of, of love and cookies, you know. Yeah, yeah, before, but don't pray <laughs> to be a New Testament church because you might become the Corinthians or something. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's yeah. like one of the commentators I read, I'll just quote this. I think this is, this is, it's worth quoting. Mm-hmm. It says Paul's ecclesiology is perhaps best laid out in his letter to Ephesians. Here in second Thessalonians, the implications of that ecclesiology get lived out. In the third chapter of Ephesians, Paul speaks of the function of the church as to make all people see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This cosmic function happens as quote, the saints and members of the household of God are built into a holy temple as a dwelling place of God in the spirit Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. And thus Paul calls the body to lead a life worthy of this calling eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace by living in unity and peace. We, are built up into a dwelling place for God with Christ as the cornerstone so that through us, no less than the principalities and powers in the heavenly places may know God's wisdom. I think that puts a really interesting take on this whole, like, if they don't work, don't eat. Because it's really like the idea that, like, look, you know, like in 1 Corinthians 10, when Paul says, like, 
you discern the body. I don't think he's saying make sure you know metaphysically what's going on with the bread and wine. I think he's saying, look, sure. like if rich people are there and have eaten all the food and they're drunk and they're poor and the poor people come, you're not the cross. You're not bearing witness right. to the crucified <laughs> Lord. You're, you're the witness is a lie. It's a sham. Exactly. I think there's something here. Like he's saying, look, if you are not treating each other uh, with loving kindness, that w- this kind of sort of people like uh, milking the community and taking advantage of it is is a sort of uh, it's it's like an antichrist witness. Like this mm-hmm. is really like who would look at that and say, "Wow, Christ really turned the world upside down." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that looks like just every other sort of um, the eighty twenty rule, like twenty percent of the people doing eighty right, percent exactly. of the work. And, and it seems like for something there, Paul's disturbed by that. Yeah, yeah and I think um, it's a it's a call in a way to you know for everybody to jump on board the ship. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I think it's hard for us to exercise, uh, that call to hard love where we have to actually speak those, those hard truths in, you know, to people's lives to say, look, this is, this is an all one good thing about us as a, as a community, uh, as our, I mean, as our congregation, we're about 40 people is that uh, we're so small that it really is an all hands on deck sort of thing. And when, uh, we, we notice when people, I mean, not that we're going to pick them out and sort of shame them or anything. Although, you know, if that works, that, that maybe it's a good option. Yeah, uh, like Game of Thrones, <laughs> shame, ding, shame. Ding. <laughs> but if, um, but it, it really does, we have to, and we'll have to come back and ask every once in a while, um, you know, that, that we need, that we need to help it. But that's the thing. It's, you know, Cranmer didn't say much uh, unique, I think, because I think he borrowed Calvin, my understanding is correct about the spiritual presence and so forth. But one of the things that I think he said that was kind of unique in terms of communion is that as we as we go to to receive the body and when we come back, we are becoming the body of Christ more and more. And it's and it's an all hands on deck. We all have to do that. And so that's why I think there's got to be space where if someone's not pulling their weight, you know, to to call that out and say, hey, look, you know, God's given you gifts. We, 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 you know, and not not be that desperate that we're also like, oh, my gosh, if we don't get your help down in nursery, everything's going to explode. Um, but just just kind of to encourage people, you know, to, hey, look, you, you are valuable. God has made you. You, you have the you have Christ in you in hope and glory. And he gave you gifts. So yeah, and I love that picture. It's like as we remember Christ at the table, we're remembered to Mm -hmm. Him and one another. There's a remembering, and yeah, and Mm -hmm. I think that that's what's interesting. Paul doesn't say they're not in the church anymore. He's he's wary, but like it's kind of this interesting thing because I feel like vulnerability is the opposite of control, Mm -hmm. and and I think I feel like there's kind of like you know kicking them out is kind of a control mechanism, you know, and also. They're kind of being controlling. Hey, we're not going to be vulnerable and put our lot in with the community. So, like, you know, Paul's saying, no, like, look at, he was vulnerable with them. He's like, we, we, yeah. we, you know, did everything we could to not lord things over you. And, and so he's, I think he's calling them into the vulnerability that is the fruit of the grace of God. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is true. It reminds me when you said that. It reminds me when we first got started. I mean, and any of the Anglican churches around here are, um, like they're, most of them started with nothing. So I kind of came into the church and said, Hey, look, you guys don't have to pay me anything. Let's just get this thing started and see what happens, you know? And, and I think that's what he was saying there was, it's not because we had the right to do like to ask for things because he did, but just to show them an example, like follow me, follow me as I follow Christ. Speaking of Christ, we have the gospel reading here, Luke 21, 5 through 19, where people are talking about the temple mm. and how impressive it is. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine like it's like Trump's temple, like, 
This is the biggest temple. It's more glorious than anything. I'm picturing Herod as Trump. I've built this amazing <laughs> temple. It's so splendid. And Jesus is like, dude, this thing's going to just get thrown down. It's not going to be, you know, that it's not going to seem as impressive. And then they say, when is this going to be? And, mm-hmm. you know, he warns them that a lot of people are going to say the time is here. And he says, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, nation mm-hmm. rise against nation, <laughs> kingdom. And, and he says, and it's great. But before all this occurs, uh, <laughs> which is, it almost seems like cynically like, okay, you're trying to make a timetable, but before all this, he just talks about <laughs> the, the war, you know, that they will be, that they're going to struggle, that their witness will will take them in, in pretty wild and weird places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but, that, you know, but endurance will be, you know, key that, that, you know, that they can endure because they can trust, you know, in the one who's called them. Yeah. And there, there's so many things going on there. You know, um, I think I was thinking of um, besides being huge and this is just the most <laughs> ultimate place. Uh, that I think the thing that's uh, interesting, as I'm thinking about this, you know, Christ knows uh, what's going to happen in the into the future here, and he has that foresight, and yet he's trying to convey somehow in this time what's the most important thing, because they could get hung up on the beauty of this place or, or whatever, and he's trying to prepare them. I mean... You know, he's really being pastoral that way. Um, so even even saying something like, you know, when someone says, hey, I'm the Christ or he's near. Generally, I think the rule of thumb in, in the, the church is if someone's saying they're Jesus, they're not, unless it actually is. And, and then, <laughs> then you'll yeah. know. Generally, generally, if people claim they're Jesus, they aren't. Because even right. Jesus had the messianic secret, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like his his troops were so... Uh, clueless about. It. I mean, even on the Maus Road, where they're like, they're, they're not capturing it until the very end when he reveals it. So, yeah, it, there's a couple. There's a couple of other things I think that are interesting here too. One of them was this was sort of funny. I thought at the end where he talks about you'll be betrayed by parents. I mean, that's not funny. Some of you, <laughs> some of you will be put to death. Uh, you'll be hated by all because of your name, but not a hair of your head will perish. So you're going to die, but your hair is going to look great. And I was thinking, you know. Uh, that sounds like some kind of post-apocalyptic Aquanet commercial or something, you know, like, uh, you didn't die, but, uh, man, your hair did look great. There you go. Anyway. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting too, that, that I think the, these li- these things in the passage where Christ is, where, where the, he says, you know, by standing firm, you'll win for yourself's life. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, this sort of idea of like maturity endurance like it's not going to be through like heroism and this mm-hmm. isn't a call to, i think like like the, the radical like this like, all these books about you got to be a radical it, like the mm-hmm. the real radical thing is just sort of hanging in there and, and, and <laughs> maturation exactly. endurance in in it, it, that's where uh, where the fruit comes it's mm-hmm. not through this sort of uh figuring out with ingenuity the end times chart or or yeah seeing yourself as some kind of superhero for jesus but it's this sort of and it's also don't i love you says don't even think up your defense like i always think like when yeah. you're in trouble and you're rehearsing your speech like <laughs> you're really anxious it's like don't rehearse your speech it's like live in this sort of receptive mode right just mm-hmm. enduring and i think what it like what is sort of called to like active passivity right <laughs> which it, i love it, you know it is because i was i was looking at that going you know it's interesting it's not some kind of anti-intellectual thing at all um, it's it's a call to a fervency and faith to to purposefully not make up your minds. I mean, I don't think he obviously wants us to be stupid about things, but in that moment, if we're supposed to testify or something, to just be so attuned, I guess, to the Spirit and say, "Look, you know, Lord, what is it that that you would have me say here?" 
so that we're not trying to just because if we're doing it on our own defense, then it's, you know, all of our own insecurities, all of our own um, issues are kind of tied up into that sometimes. So to be free of that, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I've not um, personally, there have been a few times when I've been asked to uh I've certainly not been in front of uh, kings and governors asking me about these things, not even in my own line of work in front of colonels and stuff. But um, what's yeah. the highest rank where you've had to like, bear witness, like uh, a major gosh. captain? Uh, probably. Have you saved any lieutenants? <laughs> I don't know if, if lieutenants can be saved. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen some salty NCOs, but um, I work with one, too. Actually, it's kind of funny. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've I. Uh, I was talking with someone in my office the other day who was really, it's been really cool just when you're spending all this time with people and the chaplaincy is really kind of incarnational ministry. And what's, what's been cool is you spend enough time with them. Like we deployed together a couple of years ago and then you earn the right to be heard, you know? And I think that's part yeah. of the Thessalonians thing, but I think here it's not dramatic. It's not like, Oh, wait till the soundtrack you know rolls on this one, but it's just, it's that quiet um, willingness to go, okay, Lord, help me to be open today. What is it that you want me to say now? And today, I mean, that's, and, and, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not worried about the hairs of my head perishing, uh, at this point, as you can see in the video, I'm, I've got a full, <laughs> for our listeners. Yeah. It's not, it's not, <laughs> that's not, you're not, you know, you, you don't need to have the anxiety. Yeah. It's also, I think it's interesting too, how this whole thing starts. Cause they're talking about how great the temple is. And, uh-huh. and he says, this thing's going to be destroyed. And they say, what? Wow. How could that even be? But what really does like end the world or remake the world is when the sky darkens, right? Uh, and you know, it, at the cross, mm. and where and where, oh. when Christ dies, the t- the the you know, it's almost a, a foreshadowing of the temple being destroyed. The the temple veil gets torn in two, and so yeah. the the their world, like for them to think of the temple is like this is like the biggest thing in the world, and he's mm-hmm. like this thing's going to be so overturned, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But what's it overturned by? Something that the vulnerable, naked, suffering God, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you know, like, who people can't see. As for that, for what it is, for who God is. And that's the undoing of the world. Something that looks mm-hmm. like it's completely, uh, you know, if you look at, at the, if you look at the, the naked, vulnerable, crucified one with mm-hmm. the temple, which one's mm-hmm. going to make it? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Which <laughs> and, one looks and, weak? <laughs> yeah, which one looks weak and, and, and which one looks strong? But that's the grace of God, you know, inverts reality. And that's the real end of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the undoing and, and the start of that. You know the vision of that that already and not yet from Isaiah too. Yeah, and we the, still the live into it every mm-hmm. every Lord's Day. Uh, we're it's, it's when Christ is proclaimed and people gather around word mm-hmm. and sacrament. That there's the alreadiness bearing mm-hmm. witness to the not yetness to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. blessings, Bob, as you're proclaiming. Uh, the gospel this coming Sunday and to all our listeners and may the new creation continue to be new and unfolding thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast if you like what you heard please go to iTunes give it a rating write a review and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Bob for coming on the podcast. And thanks again to you for listening to Snacks, my friends. Until next time, fare thee well.